Hello, and welcome to the Rough Draft Podcast. My name is Artemis. And I'm Colin, and this is a publication published by the York Review, York College's undergraduate literary publication. And today, and following, we would like to start a podcast that discusses literature and other aspects of literature that might extend to other disciplines throughout the campus. Right. We're going to be looking at um, language and how that works cross-disciplinary, um, and also, like Artemis said, um, popular literature and how that influences society and, and humans as a whole. Um, so let's start off first um, by talking about what is literature, right, and how is this important? So, so Artemis... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's define first. Like like when we talk literature on the show, what is it that we're talking about? So I think that literature can be broken down into many different aspects. Um, whenever people think about literature, they normally think about like books, and then normally if it's a school setting, you think of like some sort of old canonical thing that nobody wants to read, like Shakespeare or something like that. Although Shakespeare's awesome, don't get me wrong. Um, but <laughs> you, can't, you can't trash talk the classics. Yeah, you can't. They'll shut us down. <laughs> He's got lawyers. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but it's, it's not just literature. I mean, when you really think about it, it could be anything from, uh, well, it is literature, but it's not just a book. It could be anything from like a movie because, you know, that's a script that somebody had to write. Um, it could be a song, lyrics. Um, it could be... Uh, a video game, it could be a painting, it could be, I mean, even though a painting's kind of more visual, but um, it, it really could be anything. It, it, it spreads throughout all disciplines, like I said before, um, and that's really what we want to show here on the podcast, that you can find beauty and you can find literary elements in anything, from like a cell, if it's biology, or... Um, you know, like the art of marketing or even, you know, cooking or painting or uh, philosophy. So. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree anymore. And I think um, another thing I'd like to keep in mind here is like literature future, right? Um, as technology in our like world just keeps progressing, um, literature is progressing with it, or at least I, I think it should. Um, and I, I think it's important here that we take into consideration newer media um, like like we just, like you discussed, Artemis, um, we're looking at movies, um, we're looking at games, but I, I think it's important that we also monitor social media, right? Like, is someone telling their story on Twitter or Facebook or, like, their Snap story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's lessons to be learned there. Um, you can, that's people publishing their life and putting it in the public sphere, and people can look at that, and th- there are lessons to be learned, and there's beauty to be found. So I, I would also like to bring some of that literature future elements that that sort of post-human literature i suppose and i think you know in general i think it'll all be interesting i mean who doesn't want to talk about something that they're passionate about so it's our hope that we can bring on uh guests uh and not just like you know speakers from the college but we'd like to bring in professors we'd like to bring in students like you who are just you know really passionate about dungeons and dragons or video games or you know you're in a playwriting class and you really want to get some information out there about this play that you're going to write you know a lot of times we sit here in school and we do a lot of really cool things Mm -hmm. i took a screenwriting class last semester and i wrote half of a movie um that's awesome 
And, you know, the only person who read it was my mom. And I worked really hard on that movie. And I really wish that there was some sort of outlet that I could have to, like, show other people what I was thinking in this, you know, this movie and stuff. And, yeah, and that's what we're hoping to be. So if you have poetry or short stories or long stories or a painting or maybe, like, you're a musician and your band has some music or something and you want to get it out there, we're hoping that you'll send it to us or you'll come in and you'll, you know, play it for us or show it to us and we can post it on the the website for the podcast so people can see your art and you can discuss it so people really get to understand you and your creative process and, you know, everything that went into the work that you did because it's not just super important to you, but it's also important to anybody else who takes the time to read it or look at it or listen to it or what have you. That's right. Everyone has a story to tell. And we would kind of like to be that medium where you can tell your story um, through any way you'd like to. Um, so if you do know any hidden talent in your dorm, um, or if you you alone have a project you've been working on, um, we are open to, in fact, inviting of people to come to us or come to the Orc Review and share that with us. Um, but we'll also be discussing um, like popular literature as well um, and its relation to that undergraduate content or its relation to the human experience in itself. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what connects all these different forms of sharing and creation. It is At the end of the day, it's about the human experience and kind of expanding your perception of that and understanding and delving into as much of this experience as you can. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, that's a big part of literature and I'd like that to be a big part of this podcast. So what do you think, Artemis? Oh, most definitely. Um, I totally agree. I think that by talking to people and by getting their views on literature or, you know, their particular art or form of literature that they work through, um, you're you're going to instantly get that sort of human element because i mean a lot of of a person goes into what they create and so it's it's really great to find out from that particular person like why they did it or how they did it or you know like what kind of inspiration did they have what kind of uh, childhood trauma did they go through maybe not get too personal mm-hmm. but you know or maybe we might like that you know, people like to share. And, and, you know, it might not even come from, like, a trauma. It could come from a really good place. It could also come from a really bad place. But, um, you know, that's where I think you get the most epic works. I mean, you know, Edgar Allan Poe was, like, a horrible alcoholic. and Most and, American writers yeah, are. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, even Stephen King struggled with uh, alcoholism. And, I mean, those are two, like, amazing writers and authors out there. Well, you know, Poe's dead, but um, uh, that were and are out there that are iconic. I mean, everybody, well, most everybody knows who Poe is. Mostly everybody has seen or read a Stephen King book or seen seen a movie or, I mean, yeah, so. Like, where about a garbage can, honestly? You will find a Stephen King book. True. Um, also, uh, another part, uh, so we know that I'm a commuter, 
So I'm not always on campus. I know that a lot of students here have to run between buildings and they're not always like in a central place. So it's our hope that we can grab our little portable microphone recording thing uh, and get out there and actually get to know you, like maybe stop you in the hallway and ask you some questions. Or um, if you want to be a part of the podcast, but you can't make it down to our little podcast booth, um, we can come find you at like, you know, the Create Cafe, uh, uh, Starbucks now, um, or, you know, wherever you happen to be and then, you know, get your, your talent or your information and then publish you in the next uh, podcast. So there's a lot of options here and we're going to be trying to explore them all. Uh, it really is our hope to get as many people to come on and to express as much as we can. Um as we move forward, we might uh, even do a little bit more with the podcast or separate uh, aspects of the podcast so that we can provide more content for you guys over the weeks. So that's something to also look forward to. And of course, you know, you can always submit to the York Review, who sponsors us. They, um, they take submissions of art and poetry and all types of other works creative and nonfiction. Yeah. I believe as well. Creative nonfiction will also be accepted. And they produce a book. Um, I don't know if it's at the end of the semester or at the end of the we really the year. Like, yeah, we're <laughs> I believe the end of the year. Yeah. I believe. Well we'll figure it out and we'll tell you in the next podcast. Yeah. Um that'll be great. Yeah. Nothing but facts. Yes. Um except for the lies. That's right. But um, um Yeah. <laughs> except for the lies. <laughs> But yeah, so um, if you you are talented and you, you do have that uh, script that you wrote or that poem that you really like that you wrote or whatever, please submit it to the York Review and, um, you know, at the end of whenever, <laughs> you'll be able to take home like a, a book or something that, that was published for your, your work if your uh, work is accepted in the submissions, which it should be because, you know, you're all awesome. And then even work that maybe not be submitted into the book can still be added to the website or, you know, brought onto the podcast or whatever. So there's a lot that we can do to help get your, your stuff out there. Yeah. And come to us or we'll come to you. We have um, a whole, like, microphone kit set up. Um, and I'm real excited to use these microphones. I went to a presentation at the college held um, yesterday. What was it? It was um, September 12th, it would have been. Um, and it was, uh, Soledad O'Brien came, um, she's a reporter, big time reporter now has like her own operation going on. And she expressed a big concern with getting unheard voices, getting the, or telling the stories of everyday people. And, And I think that's very important. And I think that's like another thing we would like to really do here, right. Is, is get those stories that aren't being told out there. Um, because again, everyone has a story to tell and I'm ready to listen and I'm sure everyone else is too. Yeah. And I totally missed that event and I really wanted to go to it, but you know, as a commuter, I, um, I'm not always on campus. So, um, hopefully with the podcast, uh, we'll be able to tell you stuff that's coming up ahead of time. So if you keep coming back and watching us. You'll know what's happening on campus. Absolutely. I really want to connect this to the real world. Um, That way Artemis and I can achieve celebrity status. Um, I would like to be able to go to that diner by the college and get my food paid for. 
Right. So, so get in contact with us, guys, um, and we'll publish your stuff, and you know, you can buy us breakfast. It'll be great. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> you, we might not make you famous, but you can make us famous. So that that works out. <laughs> So, actually, you probably don't want to do that because, like, then they'll be like, oh, these famous people went to our college. And they'll, like, bump up your tuition. I mean. Ooh, true. Yeah. True. So, you know. It's not a bribe. You're the edit guy. I'll leave it to you to edit. We'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. It's not a bribe, um, but it is a promise. We'll make you famous and we'll get famous. It'll be great. Yes. Um, so, what else do we want to discuss? Um, let's talk. What makes good literature? Uh, you know what? That is a really tough question because what I might think is good literature is going to be completely different from what you think is good literature. But why is that, right? Like, like why, like why can't we just pinpoint like this is good? Because we try to, right? Like, yeah, like everyone's canon, like Shakespeare's but... good. Like, is he? I don't know. What? What if he sucks? What if I don't like him? Well, yeah, but see, that's the thing. So, like, you know a bunch of people got together at one point in time and said, like, this is the canon, and this is what, like, the high, or the, like, epitome of what literature is. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, we read it, and we go, well, this sucks. Like, I mean, you know, not everything sucks, but, like, we're like, you know, why do I have to keep reading Shakespeare? Why, you know, is it that every four years I'm reading The Crucible for some reason, or something like that? Like, and this, this stuff that's canon doesn't really get updated. It's like, this is the classics, this is what literature is, and all the new stuff is just a phase. And, um, you know, there is a lot of really good new literature out there. Um, You know, there's also a lot of really bad literature out there, too. There always has been, though, I I think. Right. You know. I'm not going to name anything, like Twilight or, you know. um, You know, uh, my favorite critic always rags on Harry Potter. You know, I'm ready to ruffle some feathers. Um, Harold Bloom, he's probably my favorite literary critic. Um, not a big fan of Harry Potter. Says it's cliche filled. You know what? I am not a big fan of Harry Potter either. And I've read all the books, saw all the movies. Um, I just thought, like, each book was exactly the same. You know, you go into it, you know that Harry's going to be, like, the main focus. Obviously, because it's about him. You know, that he's going to start doing something that's going to kind of alienate him from his friends. Or they're going to start doing something that alienates them from other people. Then there's going to be, like, a fight. And then Harry's going to have to, like, go do some stuff on his own. But then he ends up, like, getting back together with his friends. And then they have to, like, together fight evil, which he always wins. I mean, I thought that Rowling had, like, the best platform ever to end that series in the best way possible. I think that she could have gone all seven books or six books or whatever of, like, Harry, you know, kicking ass and taking names. Not really, because that's what we really did. But, you know, <laughs> barely making it as long as his friends were there to help. And, you know, and then right at the end, like, right at the end, when everyone was expecting him to, like, beat Voldemort and, and you know, like... Game of Thrones is ass. Yeah. Like, I, I just wanted, like, Voldemort to, like... I mean, obviously this would happen, but like, you know, pull out a gun and shoot Harry and he's dead. But no, um, but <laughs> I, <laughs> but no, but seriously, I was, I was really hoping that like at the end, Voldemort would just kill Harry and win. And then it, because it would blow everyone's mind because no one yeah. would expect it. They would always expect like good versus evil. Good always wins. Evil, you know, never tries. But just to have that, like 
the like eight years of Harry getting to this point, and you just know he's going to win. You just know that he's going to turn around somehow, and then boom, he's dead. And then like a billion years of darkness. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think that surprise is what makes good literature. That like yeah. the real world it is it, it's not some big underdog story. It is sometimes, but sometimes it isn't. Right? It fluctuates, and it's it, it's almost random. It seems. Yeah. And, and and I think adding that in literature is what makes I don't know about good versus bad, but I think that's what makes great literature mm-hmm. is that it it adds this like spawn. I don't, I don't know what the Oral is for spontaneous, but like spontivity, whatever. Spontaneity. Spontaneity, right? Yeah, it adds that to it. I, th- I think that's what makes it good is it kind of, it feels like a real human experience. And I agree that just having your protagonist like, like just keep whooping ass, you know, at a certain point, it's like someone's going to step up to this guy. Right. You know? Someone's going to be like, all right, like I need to stop this guy, yeah. you know, good, evil, whatever. Someone's going to do it. And I think, um, I think something we need to consider here is that it is, like, technically, I guess, child's literature. Like, young, or not child's, youth literature. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're really trying to push that, like, protagonist yeah. win agenda. But I think Rowling needs to consider not what her series was um, was when she began it, but what it became. Right. You know, you know, I think she had an opportunity there to do something beyond the sphere of what young adult literature usually does, but instead she chose to to stay in her mm-hmm. in her lane. You know, sometimes you got to swerve. And the sad thing is that a lot of the people that grew up with Harry Potter were then adults when it got to the end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and That's they, they were still, a, like, adults dedicated to this, like, finding out what happened. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like, I would have liked it to start off as, like, youth, Mm-hmm. And then it would ramp up even more. So, like, as it continued to go forward, as he moved into his older years, the situations would become more mature. Mm-hmm. And then cultivating the end, where like then That'd that would amazing. be a possible That'd be amazing. right? You and know, I sorry, sorry go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You know what I think we need to do? Um, I'm not maybe potentially next episode, or maybe we could do like an episode one A. Uh-huh. We need to get like. I'm gonna call her out, Bethany Toy, or someone who's a big Harry Potter advocate. We need to get them in here, and and see what they have to say about this. Yeah, you know, it's like I mean? a big debate. Hmm? It's like a big debate. Exactly, because like like we began this with like some people think literature's good, like this literature's good. Some people like it, some people don't like it. Right to pin down what makes good literature, we need we need to have opposing forces right. here. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think we should consider doing that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think um, that's also probably why I really like horror. Because when you get to the end of it, you don't know, like, is the person going to be alive still? Mm-hmm. Is the person, you know, gonna like, win. the that's protagonist going to, like, win? That's true. In horror, it's very, like, eh, they, they yeah. either win or they don't. And sometimes, you And know? sometimes they win, but then, like, the person's still, still alive. Loses. So then you know, like, oh, okay, there's going to be, like, a sequel to this, and they could potentially uh-huh. kill them and stuff. Yeah, I, there's this one, I think it was called Truth or Dare or something. It wasn't, like, some great movie, right? But the ending, um, so this woman goes to this mansion um, because the dude's like, yo, come to this dinner. And I'll give you enough money to pay for your brother's cancer surgery. I know what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. She goes through all this like gore. Would you? Would you? Would you rather? I think is what it's called. Would you rather? Yeah. yeah. What I say? Truth or dare? Classic. Um, but <laughs> it's one of those. Games. But yeah, yeah. So she ends up going through. Um, it, it ends up being like a would you rather like 
like stab the person next to you or get like shocked with electricity or something, yeah. right? She ends up winning, watching all these people die. This one dude like slits his eye. It's yeah. crazy. Um, she has the money. She wins. She goes home. Her brother's already dead. Yeah. Right, right. In horror, you have like that is like real yeah. life chaos, right. you know. And I think that's what makes good literature. You know, I, I think the movie had some things to work on, but I, I think that's a fantastic. Oh, that was a great movie, real though. world ending. It, it, it was great. I um, I, I really want. I think I'm a little bitter because I want to know more. Yeah, you know what I mean. I want to know more, but they stopped there. So I um, I think that that's kind of like what horror or not horror, uh, literature and film does. It just kind of like gives you something to think about and, and it draws you in and then it leaves a conclusion for you. And it, it, its hope is that you'll like figure out the ending for yourself or like add to the ending on your own where like the pieces are missing. Right, but you can't do that unless it's real. It, it has to be like a seem like a real experience. It has to resemble that chaos of real life or else it's just I don't have to guess what's going to happen to Harry Potter. He's going to win. Right. You know, um, so go, going back to like literature as a whole, like how do you like to digest your literature? Like, like what type of medium, like we're talking movies, games, like you got that classic book, right? How do you like to experience your literature? Um, so for me, I am a huge cinephile. I, I, I love movies. I'm like addicted to movies. I have like everything, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, like some illegal stuff that I probably shouldn't have that I can watch stuff on. Like, it's <laughs> like, I mean, I... This if, is recorded, you know? Yeah. <laughs> all of that was fake. I don't like movies at all. I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, no. But, um, so, I, like, I, I, I love watching movies, and I love um, experiencing them, not just because I, I love, like, the visual aspect of it, but also, um, a lot of times it really makes me think about, like, all the work that goes into movies, not just like the actors and the actresses that do it, but like the person who writes the screenplay and um, the people that work in the background that have to like read the screenplay and then say like, you know, how would this person dress? And then come up with that concept for that person. Um, And then even like, especially movies that are made from books and then people that like, that take the book and they read it and then they have to like, how can I make this into like, 120 minutes yeah and to make it good true and you gotta talk about like the aesthetic right Mm -hmm. like like this type of senses that are engaged um like a book or something you're reading is very like like mental right yeah um but with movies you're adding this like purely aesthetic image right of Mm -hmm. like sound and and visual um so so that becomes really important right yeah like is her dress like red or yellow like that matters yeah right you know um so, so I think that's something to take into consideration, consideration with movies, and that's something you don't see um, um, really in books or, or um, like any sort of written media very right. often. Because in a book, I mean, while you're reading it, you're just going to imagine it in your mind. Mm-hmm. And so you can do like anything with that. You know, the characters can all be blue for whatever reason if you want yeah, to. Yeah, Smurf. Smurf. Right. <laughs> Smurf um, Twilight. But then you got like the movie, and now... It's somebody else's imagination from that that book or that manuscript that now they're forcing onto you, not forcing, but you know, like pushing onto you through this movie, um, which I, I think is really interesting. And it's not just movies either. Like I I really love video games too, mm-hmm. um, and you know, video games. Is, uh, there's literally somebody whose job is to like write the dialogue 
for this like epic story that you're playing. And then you have all these like voice actors who come in and they have to like bring life to the words on the page, even without like seeing the character or like the action that's happening, like in a movie or, or like maybe like in a cartoon where you like, you have a voice actor and they have like the images of what's happening and the voice actors are just like putting their voice to what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's maybe more difficult like in a video game or something. So, so so why do you, um, I know you were, I know you also read, I know you're also reading. Oh yeah. Um, um, But but so, so why is there so much value in that? Like, aesthetic visual and sound thing we get from movies and video games right like why is that so important a distinction you know what i mean am i making sense yeah um right i don't it's a rough question it is it's kind of a difficult question to answer like i'm i think when it so like when it comes to reading books and even when it comes to watching movies or playing video games or going to an art gallery or something i think a lot of it's about escapism like um you're 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 trying to get yourself out of your everyday life, your mm-hmm. everyday like monotony or you know boredom or whatever, and you're putting yourself in another place. Um, and I think that's why I really like fantasy and science fiction because you can do stuff that you you normally couldn't do in real life. So mm-hmm. like you can fight the dragon or you can um, kill uh, that squid. Or something. Yeah, like like yeah. go to the bottom of the ocean. Or, like, you go in space and, and fight aliens or something or, you know, use the force. Yeah. Um, and, you know, magic can be real and all this other interesting stuff that you really can't do in real life. True. And that's important, too, going back to movies and video games is, like, like it, it is – there's a certain creativity and beauty with, like, recreating, like, the Shire from yeah. The Hobbit in your head, right? But it's a whole other thing when you have – um, like someone recreating it for you, right? It's mm-hmm. almost like this this thing you can walk through. It's like more complete, right? I think w- when it's the whole thing's right there for you, yeah. you know. Um, and, and I think that's why fantasy does so well in movies and games, mm-hmm. right? I, I I think it does fantastic. Um, just look at like like um, Star Wars, like yeah. Lord of the Rings, like they're all very aesthetically pleasing. Um, they definitely take full advantage of that medium they're using. And I think that Tolkien and anyone else doing fantasy and doing it right in movies and games understands that fantasy, a lot of it is about escapism and going to this crazy wild place, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they bring that to life. Right. You know, yeah. That's interesting. And, and I think that that's also like why a lot of people play video games. Like, you know, um, I, I don't think that people are like inherently, well, you know, maybe some people are inherently violent, but. I think that, like... Mom. <laughs> Get back here. Uh, but, no, I think that... Um, so, most people aren't just going to go out there and start, like, shooting people or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, if you want maybe that experience... Maybe not the experience of killing people, but, like, the experience of, like, doing something that you would never be able to do in your real life. The excitement right. of that. Yeah. Then you play, like, Call of Duty or Halo or something. I mean, Halo's actually pretty cool in that sense that I don't particularly like Halo, but when you think about it, not only is it, like, a shooting game, but it also takes place in space. So, yeah. like, there's that fantasy element to it, but there's also that, like, real, like, army kind of military yeah. element to it that you get real with, life. like, um, Call of Duty or Battlefield. Absolutely. But then also, like... Um, you know, again, with, like, the, the full fantasy element, like, you could be a wizard or something, 
Harry. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. Um, or you could like be a dragon, or um, you might be a knight or something. Uh, if it's like science fiction, you could be like a starship captain. Um, even if it was something, uh, if we're not going for like a video game or something, but even if it's like something that was nonfiction, you put yourself in the place of this person. Like if you're reading a um, an autobiography about like. Um, Abraham Lincoln giving the Gettysburg Address and how, like, people reacted to it while he was giving it and stuff. And then you you kind of put yourself in, like, Abraham Lincoln's shoes and, like, all of the, the things that must have been going through his mind when he's giving this address and there's, like, a civil war happening and the country's being torn apart. And, and you, you, you get to, again, like, escape from your life, but then you're also put into somebody else's life. And it's even cooler because it was a real person. So, I mean, this person really experienced these feelings and this, like, hardship. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a hardship. Be like, you know, somebody telling a story about their favorite birthday or something. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of experience that emotion. Um, I think it really all comes back to what we were talking about in the very beginning about, like, the experience that literature gives you of the human experience. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm a bit, I'm a huge fan of the narrative of uh, Frederick Douglass. Um, just like seeing that man's drive um, and just towards education, um, toward, towards literature, while well, learning how to read, I guess, rather. Um, and just freedom in general, just ha having someone be so introspective their whole life and be able to kind of like inject that between the pages of a book is just, just crazy to me. And I'm, I'm so thankful that, that I can pick that book up, right? And get as close to experiencing that as he did. Um, my, one of my favorite um, scenes in the book is he describes on Sundays, he like, he like stands on a hill and just overlooks all the boats in what I believe is the Chesapeake Bay. Um, and he, he just, he sees these sails loose, like free to be whipped by the wind. And he like envies that, you know, he finds like such a beautiful way um, to express freedom and, and what it's like to be free. And, it's interesting how it took a man who wasn't free at the time, like to show us what freedom is, you know? And, and I think, um, going back, we're talking about Soledad, um, Soledad O'Brien and her commitment towards voices that are unheard. Like that's what we're losing. You know what I mean? Sorry. Um, that's what we're losing potentially is, um, those voices and that, that experience, you know, we, like I said, we really want to, I think, have a wide width of the human experience that we can explore. Right. Um, so I, I think, um, like, any minority voice, I forget where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, but I, I see what you're saying. Like, um, a lot of things do kind of get, I don't want to say whitewashed, but kind of, like, washed out mm -hmm. in general. Um, like, you know, when you watch TV or you watch movies, you uh, there's, like, this element of representation that you you start to notice, or I think that we're starting to notice in society where there's a lot of things that are missing. Um, one of the really big things that's been coming up recently, uh, especially with minority groups, is like the transgender community. Um, there have been movies that are being made about transgender individuals, but the people who play the transgender individuals aren't transgendered. Mm -hmm. They're like uh, cisgender males or females right so can they the question i think becomes right like can they really represent us you know 
Right. And the answer is no. Like, who better to show that experience than someone who is in it, you know? True. Well, I'm... I agree with that, but I'm also kind of in the middle here because mm-hmm. I feel like the point of acting is that you can take somebody who's not in a situation and they can still portray that situation. So, like, you don't have to be a king to portray a king on film. Mm-hmm. Like, you also don't have to be, like, a knight or a wizard or something like that mm-hmm. to, to portray it. But I do agree with you that a person who's actually in that situation, you know, would portray it hopefully better. I mean, but I, this, there's a talent. Right, there's also that talent to element. to be here. Yeah. Um, but... but I feel like that would be the goal, you would think, yeah, right? To, right? To represent a character correctly, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know. But also not necessarily to represent a character correctly, but to represent a character in general. Because, you know, you go through a lot of TV shows and movies and you don't see any transgender people. Um, you know, it's very often that you go through movies and TV shows and you don't see any, like, Asian representation or... You see very few, very few, um, like black or Latino representation, and when you do, it's only like very stereotypical very or token, or very yeah. little. Um, That's true. Like, like I feel like they're they're never in a place where you wouldn't think they would be. Yeah. you know what I mean. And then and in situations where you think like you know these people are going to a public high school, but then like you only see like maybe one Asian student, and then like maybe two or three black students, like, in the background. Yeah. And, and never um, up front. Right. Never up front, yeah. And they always have, like, these very particular roles. Um, and I, I think that... that in a lot of movies now, moving forward, we're seeing, like, changes to that. Like, um, we were talking about Harry Potter. When Rowling wrote the new Harry Potter book, um, and they were getting people together to do the play, they had a... a a black actress play Hermione because in the books it's never really expressly shown whether Hermione is white or not. Mm -hmm. So they can make that, that transition and say, well, you know, she's a great actress. It shouldn't matter what her skin color is, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as she fits the character's description. Yeah. Um, and they do this a lot with, uh, other things too, like, um, the movie I am legend, it had originally a white character in the book. Did, I, I yeah. read the book. Yeah, I think um, his history was he was Irish, uh, if I remember uh-huh. correctly, because they were playing on that token, uh, like Irish who drinks type thing. Yes. I remember. Yeah. I'm yeah, so, so happy that you read that book because it I was a great book. It was amazing, and they they just ruined it with that movie. I, I think they were like trying too, too hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like. Just trying too hard to make it emotional. Like, like the situation is already inherently, like, messed yeah, up. right. <laughs> you know? Like, like, in the book, um, the, like, head zombie guy would always, like, taunt him. He was always outside yeah, his, his house. Neighbor. Like, I'm gonna... Yeah, it was his neighbor. He's like, hey, I'm gonna come in there and, like, like mess you up. Right. Right, um... You, like, stand on the roof and just right yell at him. Yeah, it's... They, and then his, like, wife would keep coming back, and then, yeah. like, the trauma with his daughter, mm-hmm. the whole thing with the dog that happened. Yeah. Um, well, how did the dog die in the um, in the book? I remember the movie. He like snapped the neck. So he it took him like he saw the dog, but he couldn't get it to come to him. Mm-hmm. So he had to keep putting food out, and slowly 
the dog finally made it to him, but the day that it made it to him, it got attacked by a zombie and died. Classic. Classic. So, like, just as soon as he got it, like, in his grasps. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the movie where, like, he had it since it was a puppy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Will Smith. Will Smith played the character in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I went into the movie and I was like, you know, I, I, I've I read the book, but I don't, I'm not going to be like one of those people that's like, oh, you made it a black guy. Like, this sucks. Like, I'm, I don't care. <laughs> Will Smith is a great actor. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, you know, if they can stick to the story and he can, you know, continues to bring his great acting, mm-hmm. it should be fine. But once they changed up the story and they added so many weird elements to it, it was just... I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't. I, I don't think the the race change of Will Smith was like really really affecting the movie too much for me or like right. at all really like not not in any way that I recognize. Yeah. You know, it, it was, was just, just it lacked like authenticity. And I think a consideration here is like with movies. We were talking about going back to the original question of like, um, like relation to like books versus like mm-hmm. visual media um I, I think they might have tried to make it more action-packed right with, like the movie hollywood yeah yeah um and, and i think that's what i didn't really like i kind of liked like the sad boredom of the guy in the book like yeah. a lot of it is just him kind of like alone. sitting there alone drunk. exactly stuck drunk yeah he was doing i remember he was doing like homework trying to figure out this virus right um and a lot of it was just him just sitting there like being like terrified and sad and and just lonely. trying to figure out how to live each day as like the only yeah. person. Yeah. So for me, I think a big reason I wasn't into the movie so much was because because of the medium used. They 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 didn't really want to bring that because a lot of people they, they don't go to the movies to to, to see that. They don't right. go to the movies to see someone sit there. You know, um, if that were true, Real Housewives would be a lot more like authentic. <laughs> you know. We'd be watching TV of their real lives with them, like, sitting at a desk, like, fuck, carry the two. Right? (laughs) Right? Um, I hate doing my taxes. Yeah. No one one looks at a screen to see that, right? So instead they, like, go to a fancy mansion, aesthetically pleasing. Right. Right. Um, They get into fights all the time. Yeah. They're, like, millionaires. Yeah. I watched this one episode. It was great. Uh, It was Real Housewives in New York. Um, and they all went on vacation in this, like, beach mansion house somewhere on mm-hmm. some island, probably. It's crazy. They spent the whole hour-long episode fighting over who's getting what room. At the very end of the episode, they go, oh, all the rooms are the same. <laughs> it was the best. It was the best. Oh, my God. So that just goes to show that, like, I think movies, well, not just movies, anything screen-related, visually-related, it's not about plot. Right. <laughs> it's about, like, not always. It can be about plot. But, um... A good, okay, an entertaining mm-hmm. um, visual media, it just has to be, like, aesthetically pleasing. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be some big in-depth thing. I think the big challenge is that we've moved towards this visual media, mm-hmm. and we're starting to lose some value. And I, I think it's important that we bring right. that value that a book has, that plot element, that human experience, and bring it to this aesthetically pleasing thing. Right. There's always going to be some guy just trying to make money with his TV show or movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I think we have to bring back the art in it, you know? Yeah. It kind of goes back to that classic, like, what is art deal, right? Mm-hmm. Is it art just because it's created, or is it art because it's, like, there's a lesson, like, what, you know? Um, so yeah, that's my rant about art in Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, um, 
so even in that story, so uh, so you read it, so you read the short stories in the back too. Of of uh, I imagine. Per maybe not. I don't. It's not ringing a bell. Okay, so um, in the book, so that the front of the book end is all I am legend, mm-hmm. but in the back there's a bunch of short stories that he did. Really, uh, I got uh, on the cover of mine was like Will Smith and like the dog. It might have been like the movie version, uh-huh. so it might not have had those. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Tell me about them. Uh, so I don't remember all of them, but do you remember the movie Real Steel? It had Hugh Jackman in it. It was robots fighting. No. No. Okay. Well, um, that movie was based off of one of the short stories in the back of the book, mm-hmm. uh, which was also called Real Steel. And they also made a uh, Twilight Zone episode of, of it that was closer to the book. And it was about these, um, it was a similar situation, like a robots fighting, uh, like boxing had been banned, like human boxing. Yeah. But you had these two guys. That's and pretty sweet. I'm you, know, um, you had these two guys and the, they're like boxing promoters, and, and the one guy used to be a boxer, but he's not anymore. He like kind of controls the robot, and they're like they really need money for their family. They must win this fight, but their robot's a piece of crap, and it's just broken down, and they can't get it to fight. Um, and they're just they're trying to do everything they can, and they're trying to like borrow money and try to fix it up and get parts and stuff. And they're at like the end of their line, like they have to get this fight, they have to get this money, they need it for their family. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, it's like a really emotional kind of thing. Like, you know, the guy's like, I need it. I, what am I going to do? So it's so interesting is you have this robot, right? That doesn't, it can't be like, I'll try my best. Right. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. And it's just, it's done. Like it's broken. Yeah. So this guy, he gets into the robot's suit. Like he takes out the mechanics and stuff. And the, like the promoter guy, the other guy comes back in, thinks that he's turning it on and that it's ready now. And it's able to go. That's and he crazy. goes out. And he fights this other robot in this suit just so that they could still place the bets and win money. Yeah. And I think he ends up dying in the end or something. Yeah. It's really sad. I but could it's, easily it's, see him getting mauled by yeah. this robot. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it's so great. And it was just one of those short stories that you read and you're just like, wow, that's like really powerful. Yeah. And then they make a movie about it. I mean, the, the version that they did for the Twilight Zone was actually really good. But then they made the real still movie, and I'm just like, why? why yeah, I feel like they were just like robots fighting. Yeah. I could sell that. How, how can know? we make money off of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that's always going to happen. You know, we, like how long can we keep getting mad at the people who are just trying to make money? Yeah. You know what I mean? Before you realize, like, it's just part of this system. You mm-hmm. know, we're like. But I will say, I think perhaps like Netflix creating their own series, yeah, like all these new Hulu series, they're not. They, they seem so original. Um, I'm trying to think of... Um, there's this one Netflix series I was super into for a little bit. I might never, ever remember what it was. It's escaping me. I don't know. Do you remember what it was about? I don't. I have no idea. Mm. I just remember being like, oh, a Netflix series. I think it was like a popular one, like one of their first popular ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ, I can't remember. Um, well, that's all right. We might have to edit out that. Christ. Also that one. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting how, where people aren't, um, like you don't get paid every time someone like turns on Netflix, right? You get paid for like their subscription, like per month. So Mm -hmm. they can hire writers and tell them like, make good content. Oh, you know what it was? It was, um, BoJack Horseman. I I love BoJack. Right. And I think that show is like 
I think the writers are too too good for that kind of comedy and like what they were going for. You know what I mean? Like I think they were like, okay, let's do like another like animated comedy, like slightly inappropriate thing. But the writers just threw in these like crazy and so much depth and Bojack Horseman's like fame and it just uh, they just explored so many ideas that you don't expect in that kind of show and yeah I I think that's phenomenal like that Netflix um, can do that now and I'm sure Hulu's probably got their own like original stuff now too I I just think it's interesting to see media and like the literature right moving in that direction now Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think it's a great direction you know you can learn more from BoJack Horseman than family guy you know yeah i, I sure. think in most cases um we'll have to get someone on here who's like a huge family guy fan now or something i don't know <laughs> i know uh the new season of bojack's actually about to come out really yeah I, I'm, I'm interested i never um finished i never finished because they like made some i watched it and then they made more and i never got to catch up you uh-huh. know busy college student like right. um i'm gonna i don't know i'm gonna have to like take a weekend or something and just really like yeah. meditate on it and watch it because that's what that's what I'm all about. Yeah, the, the the thing that I like about the Netflix model now is that like they're not restricted in the same way that movies are, and like television shows are. So like um, movies have like this rating system they have to go through, mm, uh, yeah. and like if you want it to be like rated PG thirteen, you can only have so many curse words and you can mm-hmm. only show so much and whatever. And um, because Netflix doesn't actually produce like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something that's going to go into theaters or on DVD. I mean, they can still rate it how they want. Like, they can say that it's mature or whatever. But they don't have to use the same, like, movie rating standards, I don't think, mm-hmm. as, like, normal movies do. And the same with, like, their their television show content. Like, mm-hmm. when they make um, series and stuff. Yeah. Um, which I really like because then you get really great shows like Orange is the New Black. Um, they just did a new... Uh, I don't know if you ever watched, like, the Simpsons or Futurama. I, I'm, oh, a, I'm a huge absolutely. Futurama fan. Absolutely. Yeah, Futurama's great. Yeah, so the creator of those two oh, shows... Oh, Enchanted, right? Uh, Dis- Disenchanted. Disenchanted. Yeah. Disenchanted, yeah, yeah, It was yeah. great. Like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I am excited. I've seen that. Oh, yeah, you definitely have to watch yeah. it. It's awesome. Um, and, and it really gives these, like, these people opportunities to, like, to push the envelope. Yeah. Like, um... So, like, you have this this disenchanted show, and then you also have, like, Orange is Black. You also have, like, Atypical, which is about a, um, I, I believe it's about a, a child who has um, autism. I think it's autism. I heard, I heard about that, but I didn't look into it, yeah. And he's trying to, like, navigate, like, a love life and, like, having a, almost a normal life is, you know, what's normal. But, like, uh, you know, having friends and stuff, but also with this um, autism that, that's preventing him from being able to do yeah certain things right and you, you really think like i feel like that kind of stuff's not going to make it on cable right or wouldn't have because y- you know you're flipping through the channels and you're you- you're there for that again that aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. snap there you're, you're flipping through and you're like yeah like cool i'll leave this on it's pretty whatever right like we like it's not about plot usually um and, and i think that's i think it's important that literature is regaining what it should be and, and that that's like a chance to experience um, what it is to be human in yeah. someone else's skin. I had like a million thoughts. But yeah, especially when you get to movies or TV shows. I keep saying Orange is New Black, but that's like, I mean, it's one of those things that a lot of people like like go to because mm-hmm. it's it's a great show just by itself, but it also shows you like 
what uh, prison is like and how prison, like inner prison workings, especially for females. Um, and you have this great cast of characters where you find out, like, you know, you have this one person who's in jail for seven years because they, like, smoked a joint or something in that pot. And then you have this other person who, like, stabbed their husband and they were only there for 15 months. And then you're like, you know, how is this justice? Yeah, how, how is that fair? Um, yeah. Or, you know, like, when you see the way that, like, the, the prison guards treat the women in there and... And what the women in there really have to do just to kind of like survive their day to day lives. It's, and I know that it's like a drama, so a lot of it's probably made up, but it's also based off of um, a real person. It still gives you a look. You know what I mean? It it still like shines that light on like the darkness there. It shows you that experience. You know, whether whether it's fake or not, there are like females in prison, right? And they're experiencing this. If it wasn't authentic enough, it wouldn't be watched because mm-hmm. it wouldn't seem real, right? right. Um, and, and I think that's important when looking at literature. Um, so, kind of, uh, have you have you seen The Walking Dead? Yeah. So I feel like, in my opinion, I haven't seen any of the newer stuff. I hear it's crap. I don't know. Um, mm. But how do you feel about what I would say is like the last great TV show to like be on cable? And, like, only on cable at first. I mean, I could be clear. I could definitely be wrong. But that's my perception. I mean, I haven't heard of any TV show have as much gusto or push. Like, you have The Talking Dead after it. Like, I haven't heard of any other TV show make as much of a boom as The Walking Dead. And I, I kind of want to know, like, how'd they do it on cable? I, you know what? That is an interesting Because it's not in a fantasy realm. It's not super aesthetically pleasing. I mean, I, I will say their work with the zombies and making them yeah. look real and grotesque but you know like i think they did really well with that but the show isn't inherently fantasy or pleasing or like really i I, I don't know i i want to know what they did that made me care so much (laughs) i think it's the drama that comes with it because you become invested in the characters Mm -hmm. and they're not afraid to pick people off oh especially like little children and other stuff like Mm -hmm. they'll they'll really like rip your heart out yeah which is great because mm-hmm. that's what you want you don't want like every week to know okay they're gonna walk into this place some zombies are gonna show up they're gonna kill them they're gonna have survive. a harry potter situation right yeah. you want to think like they're gonna walk into this place and two of them might not come out yeah. or they might get separated and now you have like a split story where these people are over in this place yes. getting attacked and these people yes. in the woods like that real life chaos right. I, I, I love it Artemis. yeah yeah and I, I think that that's probably why that show is so popular okay. um and you you really don't so they've been able to do that on cable right that's, right. that's interesting so it's just because it's possible yeah it's possible for like media to have value like true experiential value mm-hmm. yeah and I think also it it it's almost real world enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's obviously fantasy because you have zombies yeah, running around. Yeah. But I, mean, I haven't seen any zombies lately. If oh well, yeah, I walk on campus. <laughs> zombies around here, but some <laughs> they're just not eating anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so true. So <laughs> like some ramen zombies around here or something. The <laughs> pizza zombies, but anyway. Um, so like, Instead so we don't really zombies. have zombies, but it's so almost relatable that you could think like you know what would i do if there was a zombie apocalypse that's true and the characters are very real and very unique Mm -hmm. in their own you know and and i think that's a big part of it right instead of that aesthetically pleasing they've really shown us yeah people 
you know, and I think that's why it's so easy to get invested in him because I know like eight people who are like Glenn, you know, and who react like he does, you right. know. Um, but um, and it, but it, yeah, yeah, I agree. And it seems like the situations that they put themselves are real, as opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of other TV shows, where like you have like a high school student, but they're also like solving crimes and. And there's dead bodies everywhere. And you're like, you know, where did this happen when I was in high school? Mm-hmm. But in this situation, they're like, you know, we're starving. So we need to go and break into these houses. But we're going to break into these houses and find zombies. Like, should we send a whole group in or should we send one or two people in? Like, is it worth trying to go into this store when so we could, like, lose people? Yeah, right. So, so it's not only, like, very well thought out, but it's also, like, you know, in a real-life situation. Like, what would you do? That's yeah. great. I, I think that's important because... I mean, more and more people, um, more people are reading and writing now yeah. in human history than ever via social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like, like literature, sort of um, like top down, like big publisher pushing things out, you know what I mean? Um, people aren't really re- reading outside of like me and my professional writing and you and your, I'm sure, um, textual and literary study friends. Not a lot of people are like reading and like, picking up a book anymore. Yeah. And I think it's important that our society learn to to not lose the value in their new visual media that everyone's indulging in. Right. You have to bring that human experience with them. Uh, Walking Dead did it. Orange is New Black did it. Um, it's got Bojack Horseman brought it. Mm. Um, and I, I think I think when it comes to societal storytelling, I, I think it, I think it's fantastic to to see that becoming a real thing again. You mm. know. You're always going to have your real housewives, um, always. But it's great, I think, to see stuff that's not so easy, stuff you, you can't right. watch passively. Right. I think that's a good test on the value of something. Like, can you pick up your phone and send a bunch of text messages and still know what's going on? Right. You, you should be able to do that. And, you know, the cool thing about those examples that you get, besides BoJack Horseman, is all of those other the other two, so um, The Walking Dead was a comic. Mm-hmm. before it became a TV show. And then not only now after it's a Orange TV show, Black. it was a book. It was yeah. written by the main character of the show. Not gotcha. not the one who, the actress, but the yeah. actual like person. Gotcha. I, I can't remember her name. I could type or something other. Um, and she actually came here to, to your college. She spoke here that. last yeah. semester. I think. Um, but, you know, that she wrote her memoirs of when she was in prison, and that's what turned that into that. So, and then even after The Walking Dead came out, so um, it became like a TV show. And then I think that there's, like, books now. I might be mistaken. But I also know... I feel know like that, I've seen books. Yeah, I know that there's also, like, a video game that's Choose Your Own Adventure. That's Walking Dead? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you can download it. It comes in chapters. And you play, like, a guy who's not part of the show. Mm-hmm. He's, like, somebody in Georgia. And, and he's, like, escaping. And then he finds, like, a little girl or something. And you and this girl mm-hmm. kind of, like, navigate around. And so he's, like, you know... You find a farm. Do you want to knock on the door or do you uh, chance it and, or not take a chance and walk down the road or something like that? Or you hear something coming from a barn. Do you try to open the barn door or do you, like, go get help? That's awesome. I, I really like that kind of choose-your-own yeah. adventure type deal. I, I think that's cool because going back to escapism, mm-hmm. right, you get to kind of – not only are you escaping to another place, another reality, experiencing something new – but you get to, like, bring a part of yourself yeah. with it, right? You get to be like, you know, what would I do? You know, I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to see what's in that barn, that farm, right? Like, it's, it's I, I just love that 
you get to navigate this this other world you've escaped into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a big um, um, tabletop gaming fan, like Dungeons & Dragons, Call of Cthulhu. I'm a big fan of those type games. Um, I'm a big fan of like Skyrim, like RPGs. Just, mm-hmm. just any, anything where you can navigate it yourself, yeah. right? And have that choice. Um, so, so yeah, and I, and I think... That, that I would argue that's literature as well because you're bringing your own human experience to that, right? right? And, and you're navigating it. And I mean, yeah, when I play Skyrim, I'm going to like go punch a goat every once in a while, but I'm also like experiencing real conflict there. You know, um, there's a like, civil war, like issues of race and stuff. You guys might not have played Skyrim on the listening to the podcast. I mean, there's like a civil war, um, brings up like racial issues. Um, and, and it's important that we experience that. But, right? What does that have to do with punching a goat? Oh, I'm sorry. So, so punching the goat is like it's not all serious, I guess, is what I was getting. Oh, okay, at, right? Right? like it's not all a civil. I thought there was like something to yeah. do with the civil war, no, or no, the goats no, are involved, no. or something. No, like. when you're choosing your own adventure, yeah, when you're doing that sort of RPG game or something, like every once in a while, you're gonna be like, you know what, I'm gonna mess around. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just gonna go like like punch a goat or like just buy this necklace just because, you know. I love that Zelda. Uh, it was the only Zelda game I played. It was on. Uh, Game Boy, mm-hmm. and they had chickens that would run around, yeah. and I would just go and I kick the chicken, yeah. and I would just keep kicking it, and then eventually like a swarm of chickens will come after you and attack <laughs> you and kill you. So that, awesome. that was like my thing. I never beat that game either. I don't even know what I don't even know what it was. I just know it was Zelda. Yeah. I don't know which one it was, yeah. and I just remember those chickens. That's the worst. Yeah. I have to rediscover, find the plot of the chickens. Yeah. Um, but but there's still real experiences to be found yeah. there, and true our um, role play people who play role playing games professionally. Which that's things so they're usually voice actors uh-huh. um, and people who enjoy RPGs and enjoy it for that like plot experience element. Yeah. Right? it's not just going out and punching goats and kicking chickens, right? Uh, it's not just amazing right. farm animals, <laughs> right? It's also about like getting money for that farmer. Yeah, you know? it it it's the it's the creative element that comes along with it, um, especially like with D and D. So I've never actually played a game with D and D. But I've seen it happen, and I've, I've I've talked to a lot of people who do it, mm-hmm. and it it's it, it is literature. It, it's it's like a a very high form of like creative writing. Absolutely. Like you have to not only like create your characters, but then there's somebody who's like literally creating a world for you, and then you're all navigating through it. It's it's improvisational storytelling, yeah. I would say. And we sh- we should honestly get someone from the role playing club in here and definitely. Have them. Have them um, discuss um, role playing games and Dungeons and Dragons as a form of literature. Yeah. Um, b- because it it truly is. Um, if if uh, Real Housewives is literature, like <laughs> D is literature, you know, by far. Um, so so yeah, we should do that. Obviously, get on that, get on the horn. Yeah. So, right harassing people. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just We're like just, randomly go outside and just grab people, and bring them in. No, like, we. I mean, we could. This is pitch we could um get a big maybe net. sit in on one of the role-playing ones just get like yeah. a five minute sound bite right and we could cool. do a whole thing on um we could invite one of them in after and do a whole thing on um role-playing games as literature just thought we'll, we'll see how it goes yeah we'll, it goes. we'll, we'll figure it out yeah yeah well we, first things first we gotta make some noise talk to them yes all right cool um so <laughs> randomly catch people yeah pokemon style so you have to yeah yeah i think so I, I guess that I feel like getting to role playing games that could like wrap up our discussion today on literature, its importance, and its various forms. I, I agree. I think that we've 
thoroughly discussed everything that we need to. And covered some ground, I think. We're going to look into getting Bethany in here to defend her um, Harry Potter... <laughs> um, fanaticism. F- fanaticism. <laughs> um, we got to talk to some members of the role-playing club. Um, and we'll have our next episode um, coming at you guys um, within a week or two. Yeah, as yeah, soon as possible. Yeah. As soon as soon as possible. Once we get some content, you are going to hear about it. Um, and get a hold of us um, or the York Review um, via Facebook or email. And just share with us. Uh, come and be weird with us. Let us know um, if there's any hidden talent in your dorm you'd like to expose. Or if you yourself are an artist and would like to show us what you've created. Um, and we can have an open discussion about that. Right, so the next podcast that we do, we're going to supply you with the means to get a hold of us um, via email or telephone number or um, something, so you can submit things or we'll like you know let you know where we are in our little corner of the school. So if you want to stop by and we're here, um, I'll give you my roommate's phone number. You can harass him. There you go. Yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> We'll give you, like, the Dean's number, too. Yeah. Do you have it? That'd be cool. I don't know. I'm not sure we can find his brother on the website. See if he'll write me a letter of recommendation or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> you right. do your podcast, man. I think you can help us out. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> jeez, we're the voice of this college. Right. Come on, now. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I guess that's it for us, and we'll talk to you soon. See you later. Keep, uh, keep on reading. Steal a lot of that punks Italian Phil, like, scratch-off guy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.